welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Good morning and welcome to Soul Revival Church at Home. What an incredible time of worship where we can celebrate Jesus and all that he's done for us. And the thought that where we stand is holy ground as we press into our relationship with Jesus. Such an important reminder to have that we can carry God with us wherever we go. Oh, I'm excited for a Sunday. Standing, jumping, excited that you're here joining us, whether you're watching it right now or maybe you're re-watching it later on or through the podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, We know that you could have been doing a whole lot of different things in this hour, but the fact that you're joining us here really means a lot to us because we don't take it lightly. We honor the fact that you would take that time to share with us here this morning. Uh, I'd love it if if you'd say what's up in the chat box. Let us know where you're watching from, maybe who you're watching with. Say hi to people in the room with you if if there's anyone with you currently. Uh, It's important for us to be able to come together. And we just want you to know right now, too, that where two or more gather in the name of Jesus, there he is. So even if you're on the other side of this camera, this screen right now, and you're like, hey, no one's with me, that's cool because we're with you together. God uses technology to bring people together, and we're excited that we get to be a part of that right now. So where you are, Jesus is also. So we're excited to jump in to week seven of our series, Outbreak. Uh, If you've joined us the first six weeks, you might be saying, man, is this the last week? How many more weeks can we do this? And we're like, hey, we're only on the sixth chapter of the book. But it's been exciting. It's been cool to see the way that God has been working in and through this series because he's speaking directly to our church right now, even though this was written a couple thousand years ago. And it's incredible the way that God works in that. And it's meeting us in our season right now as a church, as we find ourselves still in the midst of um, so many different things, this virus, uh, violence that we're facing, fighting for injustice, a lot of things that are happening within our country right now. Uh, But we're able to say, okay, God, but how do you want to work in and through us? How do you want to use the church? Not so revival church, but the big C church. Because you need to be reminded that church is not a building. Church is God's people. And we've seen God do some incredibly special things in and through God's people in this season. And we want to continue to do that. We want to know how can we grow? How can we be a part of an outbreak? Because the title of this series being Outbreak is because... The disciples, as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come on them, they were in prayer and anticipation of what God wanted to do. And they needed that outpouring of the Holy Spirit to fill them. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, you get the Holy Spirit within you. And that outpouring of the Holy Spirit allowed for the outbreak of the gospel, the spreading of the good news of Jesus. So instead of there being an outbreak of hate and fear and the other things that we're facing right now, we want to see the outbreak of the gospel, the hope and love that only Jesus can provide, the comfort that he gives you in the midst of whatever you're facing. And we're praying for that over you today. And, yep, you guessed it, we're going to be in Acts again this week. So if you've got your Bible, awesome. I've got mine. If not, that's cool. We'll throw it at the bottom of the screen here. Uh, But we also want you to know, don't be intimidated by the Bible. The Bible is God's word. It's his love story about how he came after us. And the whole thing is centered around the person of Jesus. Now, the New Testament is where we get to see how he came to this earth and lived out a perfect life and shed his blood and died for us as the ultimate sacrifice. But even in the Old Testament, you see who Jesus was because Jesus was the Word and the Word became flesh. So this is not a rule book telling you this is what you must do so that God loves you. No, it is a love story about a God who says, look, I created you, but there was separation and brokenness that happened because I gave you free will. 
But through that free will, even though we were separated because of sin, I'm coming after you and I'm sending Jesus to do it. Now, we'll provide guidance on how to live, but it's not about something we have to do, but what we get to do because our identity comes from Jesus. God determines that we are his children and out of the love that we have for him, we act on that because we want people to encounter the hope and love of Jesus. And on the other side of our own will, oftentimes the decisions that we make can lead to heartache and pain and God's trying to look out for us in that. So we're gonna be in Acts 6 today and we'd love it if you made your way there. If not, that's cool. Like I said, it's going to be at the bottom of the screen. And Acts 6, actually, bird! <laughs> I'm going to read, we're going to be in Acts 6, but I'm going to read from John 13 first as a verse. So it's okay if you didn't get there in time. We'll still throw this at the bottom of the screen. But it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my, my disciples if you love one another. And that was John 13, 34 to 35. Well, that was awkward. <laughs> oh, I'm hoping you're laughing in your living room or in your car or in your bedroom or wherever you might find yourself right now because I'm laughing here. And I think it's important that nobody's perfect. And that was the per perfect sign of it right there. That, hey, I was telling you the wrong place. Uh, and we're actually talking about direction this morning too, in a, in a sense as well. So I directed you incorrectly. But I think this is a perfect time for us to reset and pray. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for everyone that has joined us. We thank you for this time that we have together. God, I pray that you would help me get out of the way. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that it would be your words because you have something to say to the people on the other side of that screen. God, we are so thankful and grateful that we get to celebrate and honor you and talk about you. And we know that you are the hope of the world that you can bring the change that we want to see, God. So help us step into that. Help our understanding grow and our relationship with you strengthen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, if you are taking notes at the top of your page, you can put the title of this message, My Brother's Keeper. I'll say it again, My Brother's Keeper, the title of the message. Now, this past week, we had an incredible opportunity to be a part of something that was special. Each night, some of you joined with us, some of you caught the ones that you could uh, for Faith and Prejudice. It was uh, an opportunity to hear different people speak about the injustice that our country is facing, the racism that our nation was built upon, and the fact that we get to be anti-racist. Because it's not enough for us to say, yeah, we're not racist. Being anti-racist is about making that choice, making that decision to say, no, I'm going to proactively speak out against it. So it was an opportunity for us to learn more. Learn more about the history of our country. Learn more about the history of our churches. Learn more about the justice system. Taking time to understand so many different things. And the way that God works is incredible because as I was studying and preparing for our time together today, it was right in line with it. And it was just following Act 6, where, where God was leading us next and praying over what he wanted to talk about. And there was something that the church was facing at that time that's very similar to what the church is facing in our time right now. And it's, it's very interesting and it's very unique the way that God will work in those ways. That he's already in this moment. He's already in your tomorrow. Whatever you're facing right now, he already knows the outcome, but he wants you to know that he's with you, that he loves you, and that he cares for you. And in Acts 6, we're going to explore what it looked like then, and we're going to relate it to what we're facing now. So Acts 6.1, it says, 
In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Acts 6 1. So it's important to understand some background here. What did that mean? Like, who are the Hellenistic Jews? Who are the Hebraic Jews? And what did that mean in that current time? See, because we've been studying how the church has been growing, how speaking the good news, the gospel of Jesus, people were giving their life over to him. And at that time, part of the church that was coming together, people had different cultural views and backgrounds, different things within their lives that made them up to who they were and where they were at. And the Hebraic Jews in that moment and in that time, those were the people that were more from Jerusalem. They spoke Hebrew. They had the background of more traditional Jewish customs, beliefs, and traditions. But then the Hellenistic Jews, those were Jewish people that had taken on that faith, but they lived all over the Roman Empire. Now these people spoke Greek. They had different customs, different backgrounds. So now you're pulling two groups of people that have now stepped into a relationship with Jesus, pursuing what does it look like to live out our faith, but we have different backgrounds and different belief systems that's brought us to this point, different experiences that have brought us to this point. You see in those parallels with things that we're seeing right now? See, and, and what was happening in this moment and in the church is because the Bible calls us to take care of our widows, our orphans, those that are marginalized, and we're supposed to help care for them. And each day food was being given out to the widows. Food was being given and distributed to them. But the Hellenistic Jews in that moment in time saw an injustice that was happening. They saw that their widows weren't being treated the same as other widows. And this can create some tension. This can create an opportunity for the enemy to get in because his hope and his desire is to create division. He wants to create division and have misdirection, point us in different areas, help to take us away from what God wants us to focus on and focus what he wants that's gonna ultimately create destruction. And that's what was happening in this moment within the church, but it's incredibly important to watch how they respond. Because what they were facing then is really a lot of what we're facing right now. Because as we look at things, and a few weeks back I talked about, stop making an asterisk of yourself. (laughs) It it makes me laugh when I think about that, but it, it was the idea that a lot of times we identify ourselves as blank Christian. Whether it's a denomination, whether it's a color of skin, whether it's any of those different things, conservative Christian, liberal Christian, you know, black Christian, white Christian. And we talked about what that looked like. But now in this moment, as they're being identified as their culture, because we also spoke about the importance of saying, yes, that doesn't define who you are as a Christian, but it is important to celebrate and understand the differences that we have. So yes, white Christians, black Christians, and there's Christians of Hispanic origin, Asian, and everything, because God has called all of us our people. He has created us all equal and in his image. So every culture, not only in our country, but in our world, makes up a true reflection of who God is. That's how you get closest to God, is to have more diversity, not less. And the tensions that we're facing right now in our nation have also transferred into our church. See, and the challenge with that is that we're having arguments and discussions that have become political. But we need to understand that this is not a political battle. This is a spiritual battle. 
I'm going to say that again. This is not a political battle. This is a spiritual battle. So if you start talking and wanting to argue and have conversations around politics and who you're backing and who you're supporting, you're headed in the wrong direction. The enemy is trying to use that to divide. Because in the center of it all is love. In the center of it all is love. So despite what your background is, despite the way that you grew up in your customs and beliefs, it's important to not only celebrate other customs and beliefs, but to understand. Take a moment to understand. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. What are they going through? What are they experiencing? What is truth and what is not? And as we identify what is truth and what it does look like to be marginalized, what racism has impacted our country, the systems that were set up that have now perpetuated things over time, it's there. It's something that you can look at, but it is not a political fight. It is a spiritual one. But the spiritual fight is what can make the change in the political realm. Because we need to be, as followers of Christ, united together to fight. So as we continue on here, we're going to see what that looks like. See, because God is so incredibly awesome that when the enemy comes to try to distract and divide, that he can settle it all if we have our hearts in the right place. So Acts 6, 2, it says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Full of the spirit and wisdom. So people that are walking in step with Jesus, that are living out their relationship with Jesus, that are dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide them. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So these are the 12, the original 11 plus one that replaced Judas, but these 12 leaders that something was brought forth to them and said, look, here's this issue that's taking place. They identified it. They acknowledged it. And they said, okay, we need to do something about this. And right now, God has called us to help continue to push the gospel forward, to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. But this is important. So we need to identify some leaders that we can raise up, some leaders that can take on this responsibility and this mantle to help seek and fight against injustice that's happening within our church because division is not an option. Maybe today you're that person, something's been just feeling in your gut and you're like, man, I feel like I need to be a part of this, but I don't know how. Maybe God's calling you forward to be a leader, to help be a part of the solutions and seeking change and justice. Maybe that is you that God's calling in that way. And and we want to empower you and let you know, like, yes, that is legitimate. And we want you to step into that. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you to say, yeah, you, you need to be a part of what that change looks like. And here, here's how they respond. This proposal pleased the whole group. It pleased the whole group, both sides. See, because in this moment, it takes humility on the Hebraic side. It takes humility in that moment to say, you know what? This injustice is happening. We didn't notice it because we were so caught up in, in our own selves that we weren't putting ourselves in your shoes. So we weren't identifying the fact that there was an issue right now, that there was something wrong with what was happening. But in that moment, when it was brought to light and when the leaders identified that, yes, this is an issue, they showed humility to come forward and say, yeah, we agree with this plan. And the Hellenistic side of it were like, yes, okay, great. We're being acknowledged. It's being acknowledged that that there is something there. But look, we're not going to allow division to get a hold of us. We're not going to allow that because now we've been it's been identified, but we're going to raise up leaders to step into that. To help ensure that we can seek justice going forward so that we can make sure that everyone is being cared for, loved and treated the way that Jesus would have us. And it continues on. After it says it pleased the whole group, 
They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the people identified who they wanted to lead. So you might even be saying, you know what, I know someone who needs to lead. Because there's, there's some people that are out there that God's placed a mantle of leadership, that you see something in them that they don't see in themselves, and God wants to use you to encourage that. So you might be seeing someone right now like, hey, I think you need to be a part of what that change can look like. Empower people, bring them forward, talk about who those people are because God wants to use them and they're not seeing it in themselves. And this is what happened through that group. They raise up these leaders and they bring it forward to the leaders of the church, those leading the movement at that time. And they acknowledge it and said, okay, yep, we affirm these seven. And now we're going to lay hands and pray over them. And it's important to do this. It is a special thing to be able to say, all right, God, we are, we are claiming this over these individuals right now because you have a plan and a purpose to impact lives through them. And those are the same things we need to be doing because we want to inspire more leaders to rise up so that we can help fight injustice, that we can seek what God would have for us through it. And it's no mistake, and it's incredible the way the Holy Spirit works that we are studying this right now in the midst of what we're facing in our current culture and climate because the church is the answer. Jesus is the answer. This is not a political battle. This is a spiritual battle. See, because again, the enemy is trying to divide. But we have got to choose God's direction because our decisions will determine our direction. Let me say that again. The decisions that you make will determine your direction. So you have an opportunity in that moment to make a decision. How are you going to choose? How are you going to respond? Because sometimes people might bring stuff up that you didn't notice and it kind of makes you feel like bad inside. You start to feel guilt and shame. That is not of the Lord. There is no condemnation in Christ. See, because God is calling us to humble ourselves and turn back to him. So when you see that there's errors, maybe not in your ways, but maybe in generations before you or uh, within the circumstances you've been in, maybe you stayed silent when things were said as far instead of being anti-racist. And God's not saying, I do not want to condemn you in this moment. That is not what this is about. But you can make a decision now to go the right direction, to stand up for what you know is right based on the gospel. Again, I want to stress this. This is not about a political party. This is a spiritual battle. So what is Jesus calling you to do? And if there are things you don't understand, you're like, what would Jesus say about this? Get into God's word. He provides so much guidance, but also get in community. We are better together. Have conversations. The conversations we had this past week were incredible for us to be able to not only view these discussions that were taking place, but then have conversations as a church family. Have conversations about acknowledging things, but also what are ideas that we could challenge and fight against it? And we were so honored and excited to be a part of that. And the people within our church family having ideas of ways for us to be able to say, how do we combat that? Was incredible. Because to us, it's not about a white or a black church. And we're fortunate at Soul Revival Church to be a multi-diverse, denominational type of church because we're non-denominational. There's nothing that we're saying outside of here. Who, what is God's word and what does he say about it? We says we are all created equal. We're created on purpose, with purpose, and that we all make up the body of Christ. So that was a prayer of our hearts from the moment that we started Soul Revival Church years before to say we want a diverse and multi-generational church. 
because this is for everybody because Jesus is for everybody. And we get to be for one another and we get to work together. So the honor to be a part of Soul Revival Church where we can say, all right, there's diversity within our church, but how do we be the church? How do we connect with other churches? How do we love our community in our city and show them the reflection of Soul Revival into our community? To say, this is not an us versus them, but this is a we. This is a we thing. And that's what they were faced with. And in that moment, they had decisions to make. Regardless with what you're faced with, no matter what someone says to you or does to you, you are only responsible for your response. And we have the opportunity to respond in love, even though it can be so difficult at times. Because Jesus says, man, someone hits you on one side of the face, turn to them the other side also. Like, it it doesn't seem like that makes sense, but that is the way of the kingdom of God. He flips things upside down. This is not about retribution. This is about reconciliation. God is trying to reconcile the world back to himself. The only way we can do that is when we reconcile with one another. When we form unity. When we form unity to fight against the enemy. This is not an earthly battle. And that's another thing the enemy will try to get you to look at. To get against this person versus that person. This party versus that party. It's like, no, this is a spiritual battle. There's an enemy that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy and is seeking your soul. But we've already won the battle. We've won the victory. We've won the war through our relationship with Jesus. But each day we get to continue to choose it and say, how do we include more people? How do we reach more people? Because our hope is to see a revival break out. But a revival cannot happen until we have repentance, until we come together and say, all right, we see that there might have been an injustice, but we are in agreement on what that adjustment was. Now we're on equal ground and we're going to move forward together to see an impact that only Jesus can provide and see a revival that we get to be a part of, to see miracles take place that we get to be a part of. Don't miss your opportunity. Do not miss your opportunity to be a part of life change. But it's got to start with our decisions because our decisions will determine our direction. See, and there's four different groups of people here who respond four different ways, but it's, it's very important the way that they responded to help see things go the way that they did. So it was the Hellenistic Jews first. They saw something that was wrong and instead of growing angry and having animosity and building up hate against the Hebraic Jews, they brought it forward to leadership. They said, look, this is happening. There's an issue here that we need to address. See, and then the Hebrews made that decision to say, you know what, we're going to own this. We're not going to combat the fact that there was an injustice taking place. We're going to agree with it and come together before leadership. And then leadership empowered people to step up and rise up to face it. And they were all in agreement with it. That's how we know. That's how we know that the Hebrews were in agreement and owned the fact that those things were taking place because they came forward. They came forward united. But then the seven, the seven had to say yes. They had to say yes to servant leadership. They had to say yes to feeding the widows. And you might look at it and say, man, well, that's such a small task. You're being called to do a little thing just to feed people. Well, other disciples were out spreading the gospel. God looks at that the same way. Look at how important it was that they rose up to meet that need to avoid division taking place within the church. So there's nothing about having some glorified position. Sometimes you're trying to figure out what do I need to do? And you're envisioning yourself doing great things and God will do those great things through you. But sometimes you have to small, start small and say yes to the smaller things. Yes to the things that you might think look less important, but look at what their yes did in that moment. 
prevented division from carrying forward because they were empowered, they said yes, and now they resolve that tension. That's what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it to good. He turned it to good by empowering more leaders to step up and bringing unity with people within a community that had different backgrounds, different cultural beliefs, different things that they did day to day, but they were united in Jesus. And here's, here's how it continues in Acts 6, 7. So the word of God spread. The outbreak, the outbreak continued. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Rapidly, rapidly. We can be a part of a rapid change, a rapid growth, a rapid transformation through the hope and love of Jesus. You can be a part of that. I can be a part of that. But we can only do it together. We have to address. We have to address injustice. We have to come together in equality. And we have to say, through Jesus, this can be overcome. And we will see the gospel continue to spread rapidly. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. I want to see the outbreak continue. I want to see revival take place. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Priests. Jewish priests. Rules. Religion. The same people that persecuted Jesus were persecuting Peter and John to this point. Those same priests that were adverse to change because of their unity, them coming together and saying, you know, we're going to form unity instead of division, started to impact those lives. And more leaders are emerging and lives are being transformed, but we can only do it through the name of Jesus. We need to celebrate our differences, but acknowledge the wrongdoings that have been there and have a humble heart. This is not a political fight. This is a spiritual one. This is a sin issue. Racism is a sin issue. We have to speak for our convictions. We have to speak for those that we love. We have to speak for those that have been hurt, broken, and marginalized. We have got to do that because that's what Jesus did. That is exactly what Jesus did. It reminds me of the time you hear of the story of the Good Samaritan, where a man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a known path, and it was known for robbery, murder, and mayhem. And this man who was traveling was beaten, robbed, left without his clothes, laying there for dead. And Jesus is sharing this parable because someone is asking, what does it look like? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Because it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. People are always trying to find an angle. Who's my neighbor though? Who do I have to love? It's real easy to love people that are like you, look like you, think like you, in the same places as you. But it's hard to love people that look differently. And Jesus is breaking this down for them. So as this man was laying there on the side of the road, it first says that a religious man had walked by. A Jewish man had walked by. But he went on the other side of the street. Passed him up. And then a priest walked by. Did the same thing. Other side of the street and passed him up. And then a third man, and everyone in that moment is sitting there thinking, all right, what's Jesus about to say? He's about to say a common Jewish person because I'm against, I'm against rules, regulations. I'm against the law. I'm against the hypocrisy of what the faith has become. So this is going to be just a regular Jewish person, right? He said, and a Samaritan walks by. Samaritan. Jewish people and Samaritans 
hated one another. So Jesus was not, he was not unaware of what he was saying in that moment. And this Samaritan goes and helps the man, takes care of him, not only just goes and helps him, but bandages him up, walks him over to an inn, pays for his stay and to say, hey, if anything else is needed, I got him. I'll pay for it to help him out. And afterwards, Jesus says, so who was a neighbor? They couldn't help but to say, you know, the man that stopped, they didn't even want to utter the name Samaritan. Racism is real. And some of us are saying, you know what? I don't even want to utter the fact that there is racism. I want to avoid the fact that it's there, but it is there. And God is calling us to stop on the side of the road. And as followers of Christ, we need to be the ones to stop. And here's, here's a way that God like opened my eyes to this because God will oftentimes use his word in different ways and it'll speak to you in different ways at different times. And there's a lot of a lot of ways to approach this parable. But what God revealed to my heart in this moment is saying, all right, someone's laying on the road, beaten, battered, and bruised. And us as Christians are walking by and saying, we're just, yep, we believe in Jesus, but we're walking by because it's inconvenient, because it's messy, because it's hard. People might think a certain way if you stop and you help somebody. And, and God put on my heart this week, like, and, and that's Samaritan. Maybe that's the world right now. Because sometimes the world is stepping in to fight injustice. The world, the people that are not following Jesus are stepping in to fight injustice and to be there to support people. And us as the church are not always stepping in to say, we got to be a part of this. Because we know we are the answer. Think about that for a little while. Think about what that looks like to actively live out your faith. If someone's being beaten down, outcast, marginalized. Don't worry about looking at it and saying, what did they deserve? Did you know what he did or she did or any of that? No, respond in love. Respond in love. Seek to understand before being understood. Stop. Stop. Ask, how are you doing? Are you okay? How can I help? What can I do to help you in this moment? see change. We want to see change, but it can only happen through unity and it can only happen as we fight against injustice together. My brother's keeper. The title of the message. You put it at the top and you're like, when are we going to even talk about? What does that even mean? Well, Cain and Abel were brothers. They had different skill sets, but Cain got jealous of Abel, took him out and God asked him, where's your brother? And his response sarcastically was, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to look out for my brother? That's not him. He take care of himself. I take care of myself. Must have broke God's heart in that moment because we need to look out for our brothers, brothers, sisters. Not only in Christ, but in general, God's created everyone in his image and he wants to pull as many people back to himself, but we can only do that through love. And yes, it's by being your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper, and saying, you know what, I'm looking out for other people. Because the verse that we started with this morning, that verse is to say, love others the way that I have loved you. But it starts within the church because when we love one another within the church, despite our backgrounds and saying we claim Jesus, we love one another and we fight for one another and we seek justice with one another. Despite our backgrounds and our upbringings, it does not matter because the world will know we are the disciples of Jesus by the way that we love each other. Not loving 
the ones of us that look the same or have the same thoughts and outlooks on life. No, each other, all of us, followers of Jesus. And that will allow us to reach more people. That'll make it so we never cross the street and not fight for the things that we know are important. And that's, that is people. That is a person. Every person your physical eye sees is deeply loved by God. So what does that look like? Are you being your brother's keeper right now? Or your sister's keeper? Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you to change and impact lives. And some of you joining us this morning are like, man, I just feel like that person on the side of the road. And, and I keep hearing about Christianity. I keep hearing about people who believe in God, but they're the ones who keep walking by me, stepping on me. And your Samaritan has become people leading you in the wrong direction. It's become alcoholism. It's become drug addiction. It's become whatever it might be. But hey, it's meeting you in your brokenness. It's meeting you where you're hurting. It's meeting you where the pain is. I'm sorry if that's you and you've encountered that. Because that's not who Jesus is and that's not what he's about. Because that Samaritan, that is Jesus. That Samaritan, that one is saying, look, I represent all people. And whenever somebody is outcast, downsized, broken, beaten, and marginalized, he will meet you in it. He will meet you in your pain and he'll help restore you. And he wants to use some people to do the same thing. And I want you to know that you are loved, that you are cared for. And he wants to meet you in that brokenness. So don't turn to the other things because Jesus will show up. And I pray that more people will step into it. I want you to know that here at Soul Revival Church, we will step into it with you. That you are not alone, that you are loved, and that you are cared for. And you might be thinking, you know what, I don't even know what this looks like. What does it even look like to have faith? Who is God? I don't even understand what that is. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Acknowledging the fact that Jesus came and he died for you and he cared for you, but ultimately that he rose again from the grave and now he's seated in heaven with our Father there. It's just a matter of belief. It's saying, yes, I believe. And you get to enter into that relationship with Jesus and he will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you and he cares for you and he will meet you in your brokenness. And in a moment, we want to give you that opportunity to respond. You can just say yes. That's you. You can say yes. That's you saying, I believe. I believe. There's a link in the side. You can click on it. Let us know. We'd love to come alongside you in that journey. You could also just say yes in the comments section. We would love to celebrate it with you because life is not meant to do alone. And I don't care what your background is. We don't care what your skin color is. That's not what it's about. We celebrate our differences and we come together and come united because that's what God's kingdom looks like. And if that's you today, would you say yes? You can even speak it out loud wherever you are right now. Yes, God will hear you. Yes, yes, yes. We want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you in this moment after you made that decision. God, I thank you so much for that person who just made the decision to step into a relationship with you. It is the greatest decision they will ever make. And God, we celebrate as all of heaven rejoices in this moment. We thank you as they turn from their old ways and say, God, I want more of you, that I accept the fact that you came, that you died for me. God, surround them with people to help love on them, help meet them in their brokenness and take them to places that only you can. God, we thank you so much and we praise you in Jesus' name.
We are excited about what God is doing in and through this community. And if you just made that decision, you are family. Welcome to the family. There's no special instructions from here that you have to follow to, to feel included. Like, you belong here. You belong here at Soul Revival Church. And even if you're tuning in, you're watching this, and you've never made a decision to step into a relationship with Jesus, you still belong here. You don't have to believe to belong. All are welcome because we are called to love. But we are praying over you. We are praying over your week. And, and we pray that you would be blessed going forward, that you would think about how can I be my brother's keeper? How can I step into the faith? And how can I continue to find unity and understanding with people? This is not a political issue. This is a spiritual one that we are facing and we are fighting. And God is welcoming you in to be a part of it. Join us here as we do that. We love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.